All right. Well, I better jump in and take this opportunity. Everybody's kind of quieted down, so I'm going to take it. Uh, good to see you all back here another week for the Parenting for Life class. Uh, if you did not receive a handout for tonight, um, each week they're getting a little more uh, intense as far as what I'm providing you. Um, uh, so I'm, I hope that is helpful to you. There are more up here. If you didn't get one, raise your hand. Make sure that you get one of those. Um, I'll also share that again this week uh, in the notes as well as the pondering the principles um, homework for you. Uh, how many of you have found that helpful thus far? If you don't raise your hand, you're not going to offend me. I just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or you might, I don't know. But um, Good, well, uh, hopefully that is helpful, and uh, we'll try and get that out um, uh, to you in the next couple of days after this uh, time. Uh, if you weren't aware um, if you want to go through the process of listening to me a second time, um, uh, I know how exciting that would seem as a prospect. Um, the recordings are actually on uh, the church app, or you can find them on the church website if you go down under, uh, I think it's the media uh, uh, tab, and you can actually find all of the, uh, all of the equipping classes that are their recordings for those. So... Uh, if you're really interested in hearing what Michael Laurie is speaking on with uh, theology or, or um, Mr. Tim O'Shara on the Pentateuch, and you're wondering what all that is about, you can actually go and listen to a little bit of that uh, to, to whet your appetite for when they come back around the next time. Well, tonight uh, we are going to uh, first uh, get started with prayer, um, and then uh, we will dive into Lesson 3. Um, of our study. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer, asking to bless our time. Father, we are grateful again for another week that we can come and um, present ourselves to you as uh, vessels needing to be transformed uh, for this wonderful and, and, and uh, privileged duty of raising those that, um, that you have given to us, that you have entrusted to us. I pray um, that, Lord, even as we sang at the end there, um, that we would uh, do those very things before our children. We would say, Behold our God, and uh, come let us adore him. And that would be um, a true message on our lips every moment that we have with them, pointing them to the Savior, pointing them to the one true God, uh, the only one to provide them hope and direction. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, uh, as you see on your handout, uh, you will see that there are some reminders of what we have covered thus far in our lessons. The first lesson, the parents' priorities. Uh, the second one, the parents' goals. Um, and then now tonight, uh, we are going to be looking at uh, the parents' challenges. Um, now, there are obviously many challenges in parenting, and they look very different. Uh, and you could probably list out all kinds of challenges in your own uh, in your own mind of what are some challenges when it comes to parenting, but tonight we are going to look at some specifics. Um, what are those challenges um, as we strive to reach the biblical directive of Ephesians six four to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord? There are three of these challenges, and they're described in the form of really general guidelines. General guidelines. And um, parents ought to try and keep these in mind as they look for practical suggestions 
to flesh out the biblical mandate found in Ephesians 6.4. The first one that we're going to come to is keeping the right motivation. Keeping the right motivation. Why do we do what we do? What are the, what's the philosophy behind what we are doing as parents? Now, um, we, we are very much in tune with the philosophy of why we do what we do when it comes to uh, attending Timberlake uh, Baptist Church because uh, those are some of the main things that you hear probably from the very uh, uh, first encounter of Timberlake is uh, our philosophy of ministry. Why do we do what we do? Well, here we're going to look at the philosophy really of parenting. What is our motivation? And there is a real tendency to become only outcome-oriented in our parenting. And so what is motivating you when you are parenting? What is, your, uh, what is your hope? Oftentimes it is outcome-driven. Well, to avoid, uh, we are to avoid being motivated to do what we do in order to produce a particular uh, practical outcome. If the end is okay, do the means really matter? Now, we could go into several examples of what this looks like. But really, we're looking at um, just a model of behavior modification, you know, where you are training your dog or training um, an animal, and and you're going to do specific things to get a specific outcome. You could probably go to Mr. Boyer over here, and he could help you in understanding those things. We won't go into that tonight. I'm not looking at how to train a dog. But there are certain things you will do to get a certain outcome But those things will not necessarily work when it comes to a child. They may work, but are those really the best best, uh, motivations? Well, in Numbers 20, uh, verses 8 through 13, Moses gets the water for the people. That's the end. But is judged by God for his anger against the people shown by his striking of the rock. That is the means. So, he had an end result in mind. I needed water. And he thought, I will hit this rock out of anger, really. And he got that result. But really, did the means, were they justified? And the means or the process is just as important in some ways, even more important than the end or the results. In fact, it is critical for accomplishing God's purposes. So God is not concerned with whether a methodology is working. He considers the heart attitudes of the parents and the children to be spiritual issues fought on a spiritual battlefield. 2 Corinthians 10 and Ephesians 6 tell us that. And God desires that parents are to be faithful to the process he has outlined in Scripture. His process includes having the right motivation. What is your motivation? What is your motivation in parenting? When it comes to your motives as a parent, why do you choose to do what you do in a given situation with your children? Parents must distinguish between the following right and wrong motivations. Let's look at some of those motivations. First is pleasing God versus pleasing self. Pleasing God versus pleasing self. A parent's motive must be the glory of God. Now, if you're looking at your notes, you're going to see several fill-in-the-blanks, several blanks there, and um, as I speak, you're going to hear what those blanks are. If you miss that, don't fret over it. I will make sure you get those (laughs) fill-in-the-blanks. But 
A parent's motive must be the glory of God. This is a higher motivation than personal happiness. This means that I cannot see children as a gift from God only for my own pleasure. They belong ultimately to him. And further, this means that when a child disobeys, the problem is not that my own happiness has been interrupted. Friends, have you ever been in that situation or have you seen others in that situation where uh, they are dealing with a child that is being rebellious? They are dealing with a child that is responding in a certain way. And then ultimately, you are getting frustrated, you are becoming impatient, you are getting so angry, where ultimately the desire is just our own selfishness. It is interrupting my happiness. That's really in light of of all kinds of sin, whether that's my spouse, whether that's my work, my job. All of these things can interrupt our happiness, but especially it seems to poke at us when we are parenting. Discipline and instructing and instruction from a selfish motivation will not produce God-blessed change. Occasionally, parents will view the training of their children as an inconvenience. Christian parents may not readily admit to thoughts such as, I don't deserve this. Have you ever said that? Maybe not out loud, but maybe in your own mind, I don't deserve this. I have a right to a problem-free child. I expect my child never to pick on his little brother, lie, leave dirty dishes, get low grades in school, and so on and so on and so on. How long am I going to be troubled with problems with my children? How could you do this to How could you do this? And then how could you do this to me? That may be the response that you say or you hear from even your spouse. These are all selfish motivations. However, this may be the attitude of your hearts when your child does something that hinders you from doing what you would want to do. Maybe it's late at night. You've had a very long day. Kids are finally down in bed. It's time for sleep. It's time for you and your spouse to have some time to speak about the day, talk through things, make some plans for the rest of the week or the next day. And then comes down the steps. Little Tommy, little Susie. What do you need? How do you respond? Get back up in bed. This is mom and dad time. This is time for us to be able to talk. You've had your attention today. All this has happened. I love her. You need to go and have time on your own, sleeping with your eyes closed. I've never said these words before. But I'm just imagining that's what I would say. You ever dealt with that before? You ever had that response? Maybe not even outwardly. Maybe you you were self-controlled in the moment. The spirit was working in you, but you're just ready to burst after the second or third time. But as long as there are sinners, there will be problems. And as long as there are problems, things will not always be convenient or easy. Sinful parents have sinful children living in their home. Inconvenience is really one of those big words that I think it can, can uh, explain parenting for the most part. But inconvenience to what degree? Inconvenience to really our own selfishness, our own desires, our wants, our wishes. 
is it convenient to stop what you are doing, what you are wanting to do, to then go and discipline your child, to go and help correct their thinking, to go and help them think through why did you choose to do what you did in that situation? Does that take time? Especially when you're trying to help your other children work on their homework, when you're trying to help this other child prepare their lunch or do other things, you have to then stop and give time and attention. One of... um, one of our professors, uh, Todd Murray, he would always call these things as divine appointments. And, uh, you know, a child comes, they've done something wrong, and it's like, oh, so good. Here we go, another divine appointment from the Lord. I'm so happy that this happened today. I'm so thankful the Lord has given us this appointment. And oftentimes you say that sarcastically, but really in our hearts... In our, our spirit-driven minds and hearts, we should be saying, Thank you, Lord, for this divine appointment. Thank you, Lord, for this appointment that you have given to me to be able to shepherd and, tra- and train my child. Therefore, parents must view the problems that come up as opportunities. Opportunities for teaching, for training, that will bring glory to God, not merely bring about their own pleasure. It's not just an opportunity for you to say, okay, hey, yeah, now we're going to address this. I've been waiting for them to do this so I could then correct it and we can get it all set out and everything's going to be fine. Is that your motivation? You're just ready to get it over with, ready to address that sin, that issue? Are you there with the opportunity of, Lord, thank you for this opportunity that you've given to me. You've entrusted me with this responsibility. Yes, I've been doing all these other things throughout the day. But God, you appointed this divinely, not only for my child's sanctification, but for my own sanctification as well. This then is the right motive, to be pleasing to him. 2 Corinthians 5.9 Everything we do should be in accordance to pleasing the Lord. We must make choices in the situation based upon what will please the Lord. What, what does that look like? What are some examples? Well, your child disobeys. You know from Scripture that you may need to spank him. But you've done that before, and you're not sure it works. So you make your decision based on what works. Should we do that? Should we only base what we do based upon what works or what you have seen work in those moments? Or what about what makes you feel comfortable? Is it always what makes you feel comfortable? What other people tell you to do? Or what will stop the child from bothering you in that moment? You give in. Anything to stop the behavior without requiring action. You give them that that lollipop. You give them uh, whatever it is that they're begging and screaming for in that moment. Is that your response? Whatever is convenient? What will be easiest on you? Remember, I had to go through all this and prepare, and it's it's riddled away at my own heart uh, through this entire time as well. Sanctification on overdrive. Will you do what God says to do? Parents, have you ever been in the store and you've got half of a cart full of, um, of groceries and everything's going fine? And then all of a sudden, little Tommy or Susie starts to do 
uh, uh, starts to express that loving and caring side that they always love to do and expressing their desire for you to get them what they want you to get them. They want that thing that's on the shelf. They want to go and run around instead of being placed in that little buggy in that shopping cart. Have you ever had that experience? And then you're doing everything you can to correct them patiently, kindly, gently, ultimately to they're ready to explode because you're not allowing them out of the cart. You're not giving them that thing that they want on the shelf. You're not allowing these things, and you're really ready just to pull them out and and give them what they deserve in that moment to help show them that this is wrong. But ultimately, you can't do that now in this in that public setting. So what is it? What is it that you do? Well, sometimes it requires you go take your cart off to the side, set it aside, take the child out to the vehicle. Maybe you can handle the child in the vehicle, talk to them through this. Is that convenient? Am I the only one that's experienced this before? Okay. Um, It is not convenient. Maybe it means you have to go all the way back home to take care of the situation. And then, ultimately, go back to the store and find that cart that has probably been taken somewhere and everything's been put back. And you're thinking, (gasps) remember I said uh, sanctification? Parenting is sanctifying. And... It doesn't mean that you add upon and add upon the child's uh, punishment because you are now angry because of what's going on. How do you respond? What is your motivation? These are all real examples of what goes on. Uh, Your obedience to Scripture with the right motive makes you a faithful instrument in God's hands. What is faithful parenting? Faithful parenting is following the instructions that he has clearly given to us. And your obedience to Scripture, what he has clearly given you, that instruction, with the right motivation, makes you a faithful instrument in God's hands. Now, if you don't hear anything else tonight, hear this. The child's response is not necessarily the measure of biblical parenting. The child's response is not necessarily the measure of biblical parenting. The parent who does what is right in the sight of the Lord will be blessed. Are you going to be faithful to the principles and the application of what God has told you to do, James 1.25, or are you going to try and get the right response from what you, how you handle the situation? Think back to the other week when I said, you may have a goal of your child is going to be saved by the age of 25. Now, that seems to be pretty old, but let's just say, for example, they are going to be saved. You're going to do everything that you can in your means. You're going to bring them. They're going to go to Sunday school. They're going to come sit in the service with you. They're going to sit beside you. They're going to sing the songs. They're going to study the Bible. You're going to have morning devotions, evening devotions. They're going to learn all their adventure club verses. They're going to learn all the systematic theology of Grudem and, and Erickson and all these guys. They're going to do all this stuff. And you're setting up plans. You're doing everything that you can. They have a specific type of education. They're going to have everything lined up so that they will be saved. Now, in your mind, yeah, that's a, that's a neat, that's a good goal. But is that what the Lord intends? 
you have no control over that eventual outcome. You have no control over the response of the child. Only, the only thing you have the uh, control over is your faithfulness to doing what the Lord has told you to do. So, teach them through the word. Do those things of helping them memorize verses. Help them understand theology. Bring them to the church. Set them beside you in the pew. Allow them to sing with you and see mom and dad sing and worship. Do all these things, but understand, it is not a promise of what will come. And then, how you respond when they don't respond in the way you want them to, when you don't see that child come to faith, that's also a testimony to your trust in the Lord. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. How do you respond to that? Are you embarrassed? Do you say, God, why did you let me down? What is your motivation? Well, pleasing God and glorifying him is is the most powerful motive. It is the only motive that produces hope and perseverance. But another important motivation to distinguish is pleasing God versus pleasing others. Pleasing God versus pleasing others. Parents must not allow themselves to be motivated by comparison with others. Do you guys ever compare yourself to other families? You ever compare yourself to other parents and say, man, this is what they do. This is what, this is what seems to work for them. This is what I need to do. Or why isn't this child, my child, like this child? We do the exact same things. What's wrong? Galatians 1.10 says, am I seeking the favor of men or of God? Colossians 3.22 distinguishes man-pleasers from God-pleasers. 2 Corinthians 10.12 says, those who measure themselves by themselves are without understanding now friends this does not it does not mean you shouldn't learn by observation or from interacting with other more experienced parents we're referring to the error of making other families the ultimate standard i have to be just like this family because they are the model they look wonderful Everything they do, everything seems to be just right. They follow in a straight line. Everyone's hair is combed perfectly. All these things are beautiful on the outside. Little Tommy and little Susie seem perfect on the outside. But is that the standard? The Smiths, they have a family devotion every night or every Tuesday evening. Therefore, we're going to do that too. Is that your motivation? I'm going to do what they do. That sounds like that works really well. And that seems to work well for them, so that's what I'm going to do. Another family requires their children to give a certain response when spoken to. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes, sir, no, sir. Sometimes they get that mixed up. <laughs> uh, we've been having some issues with that with Alethea calling me yes, yes, or yes, uh, yes ma'am, uh, no, ma'am. It's, it's just a learning process you go through. I call her the wrong name all the time anyways. So, <laughs> But... But what is your motivation? Particular rules regulating TV or what kind of schooling we will participate in? Public, private, homeschool, all these kinds of things. What is your standard? What are you gauging everything by? The point is any or all of these may very well be good ideas or good things for us to consider. 
or do, but we must be careful not to do good things for wrong reasons. Go back to that, that first thing. What is your motivation? Is it just the outcome? Okay, this is working for them, so this must work for my family. So we're going to be rigid and we're going to do all these things the way they do it because it seems to have the right outcome. Well, a problem arises when families compare themselves to other families in order to determine right behavior and parity methodologies. Even worse is believing your own methodology is the most spiritual and then judging other families by it. Is that a... Is that a propensity for you? Is that a, a tendency for you to think, man, we, we do really well with this, and honestly, you're not of the Lord if you don't do things this way. You begin to judge other families as a result. It is a serious issue of pride to create non-biblical guidelines by which we, dr- we judge other Christians. This destroys the unity and love that should characterize the body of Christ, Ephesians 4. 1 Corinthians 4, all of these things destroy unity. I would recommend, and it's also on your, your book, uh, When People Are Big and God is Small by Ed Welch, but more important, another, a better one, um, I would say, is uh, Pleasing People by Lou Priolo. If you haven't read that, buy it today and start reading it. A third important motivation to distinguish is trust versus fear. Trust versus fear. Well, parents need to avoid being motivated by the wrong kind of fear. Rather than being motivated by fear, we must understand that it meet what it means to trust God in every area of our lives, including parenting. Some parents fear that without multiple levels of training or strict adherence to specific methods, their child will turn out to be a failure or a social embarrassment, or deny the faith. But many young Christian couples are new believers and can benefit from wiser role models. And the church is to provide this opportunity. Titus 2 encourages older men and women to teach those who are younger about family issues. So just like I said, don't allow other families to be the the standard and the model for you to follow it is also important for you to realize that God has provided you in this, he has ordained this time and your location with these people in this body of Christ for a specific purpose and reason. Because he knows that, that, the, uh, he knows that those people, those friends that are around you, Jeff and Jane Abbott, are there specifically because God wants to use that family to invest in your life to speak truth into your life. Seek that counsel. Seek that wisdom. The Bible tells us that we're to do that. Are we doing that? Again, this is not to say supplemental training and teaching on parenting is unnecessary. Otherwise, you wouldn't come to a class called Parenting for Life. But we certainly can glean much from parents, more experienced at applying biblical truth than we are. But we must trust God. I can remember uh, being a new parent. Addison was not even one year old. She falls, hits her head. We tend to have that problem in our family. Um, she falls, she hits her head, and I'm thinking, I have no idea what to do. I, I'm, and, you know, is it call 911? 
is it phone a friend? You know, that's, that's kind of where I was. And, and I called one of our pastors at the time. I said, uh, she seems okay. Everything looks okay. It's bumped up. It looks gnarly. But what do you think in the situation? Should I take her to the emergency room, call an ambulance? Pastor was able to talk me through that, help us understand it. Uh, you know, what are some things you need to look out for? I could have Googled it, I guess, but I'd much rather trust my pastors than Google. And so that's what I did. I called upon a, a wise individual that had been a parent for some time. And in doing that, I trusted the Lord. I'm applying biblical truth. Now, is, you know, is my, is my child okay because uh, they hit their head? Is that applying biblical truth? The biblical truth there was, me trusting those that God has put in divinely in my life at that moment. But what does this look like, uh, trusting God? Well, trusting God means that we study Scripture to learn biblical principles for all areas of our lives. We ask questions that will help us be wise in applying those principles. We learn skillful living from older, wiser saints. But we trust God to guide us, and we trust Him for the outcome of our choices. Trusting God provides hope in light of the fact that we fail many times as parents. We do not always make the best decision in every situation. However, we rest in the fact that God, God's will is not thwarted by our mistakes. Have you ever had that happen where you just have a crippling fear of, of, the, of what you have just done? I just made this decision, and I'm already seeing the effects of my decision, and they're negative. I'm not trusting the Lord in that moment because, you know, God will take our mistakes and use them for our good and his glory. Do we trust that? We have to ask ourselves those questions. God's only requirement is our faithfulness. Friends, this is where forgiveness and confession come into play so often. You know, I respond a way to my child, you know, it could be um, that I thought I was doing the right thing, but I made a terrible mistake in the way I responded. Opportunity for me to go and to confess, Daddy was wrong in the way he responded. Dad should not have done this or done that. Will you forgive me? God's only requirement is our faithfulness. Scripture is sufficient to guide us even if we never have the opportunity to learn what practical suggestions other families may have. God will guide us one way or another, and if we are seeking him first, Matthew 6 and James 1 tell us that, we must not fear, we trust God. We can, we can study God's word, we can apply it with confidence, and take advantage of any help afforded to us, all the while praying and trusting God. Uh, another recommendation there, uh, Jerry Bridges' Trusting God book. But in addition to keeping the right motivation, right motivation, parents are challenged with keeping the right focus. Keeping the right focus. It's important for us to keep the right motiv- motivations, but it is also important for us to keep the right focus. This flows out of what we've already said in regard to motivations. Biblical parenting is not complicated. I know that sounds ridiculous, but (laughs) biblical parenting is not complicated. In Matthew 22, Jesus gives two great commands. Love God and love your neighbor. 
And note the contrast in Matthew 23, 4 to the Pharisees trying, uh, tying up heavy loads and, and, ha- and leaving them on men's shoulders. It is not a heavy burden. In the same way, parents can easily become like the Pharisees. They desire additional answers to what the Bible provides. Out of fear and frustration, they fall prey to creating their own complex system or following someone else's method. Parents then gain a false sense of confidence by substituting a particular parenting system for the faithful application of God's word. And without the proper focus, that's, that's what we're looking at, keeping the right focus. Without the proper focus, it is easy to turn parenting into a much more complicated endeavor than what God intended it to be. It's easy to do this with any spiritual discipline of the Christian life and ministry. For, for example, some make evangelism, counseling, prayer, and a host of other aspects of Christianity into very complicated scientific endeavors to the point that a believer without a THD scarcely understands them. Thankfully, Dr. Hager is not in here tonight after me saying that. But there's a difference between simple and simplistic. The simple character of biblical parenting is best summed up in Ephesians 6.4. This does not mean that there is, there is no challenge involved or that there is no place for learning how to be better. But the challenges cause us to depend upon God, not ourselves. Simple dependence upon God and his resources and the essence of Christian life, whether the issue is parenting, marriage, work, ministry, finances, etc. All these things are challenges that we must face and we have to ask ourselves is, are we going to trust the Lord? Are we going to trust our own ability, our own wisdom and mind? Another focus we must keep in mind is biblical parenting allows a variety of ways to apply biblical truth. Biblical parenting allows a variety of ways to apply biblical truth. In other words, there is not just one way. There's not just one way. And this is really where we fall into the the rut of thinking that, well, this worked for that family, and so it it was biblical, so it must work for my family. Or this worked for, uh, for this child in my family, It's going to work for this other child in my family. And after two children, you realize that, okay, this one is different than this one. (laughs) And the way they respond is different than than the other. But when dealing with matters not specifically addressed in Scripture, we must be governed by love for others and showing deference to others. Personal preferences are not inherently wrong, but should not be equated with biblical differences. What is, what is beyond Scripture is our opinion. For example, uh, choices in such categories as etiquette, education, music, dress, entertainment. You know, one family may have convictions in these categories that differ from other families' convictions. Parents can consider the practical suggestions of others but must make decisions as to what is best for their own family. Um, not long ago, probably a month ago, Everly brought this book home from our library here in the children's ministry, and it was on um, uh, really like family manners and things like that. And she was reading through it, and I was looking at it with her, and we started reading it, 
at uh, lunch or dinner time. And as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, whew, man, we are like heathens in this family, you know, because, you know, it's like, you know, we don't do that. We don't do that. And I'm thinking, Lord, why am I doing this? You know, <laughs> I'm the children's pastor. What are you kidding? Um, and, you know, part of it is looking at, you know, how you set the placements on the table, proper etiquette. You know, you don't, you don't burp at the table. We don't. I'm not saying that we do that, but um, all these kinds of things. Make sure your manners are polite and all these kinds of things. It's good to have that in your life. But sometimes we take those things and elevate them to scriptural authority. We need to make clear distinctions as much as possible between what is a biblical mandate and what is personal opinion or a command or a principle versus suggestion and application. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so helpful. It's good. Yeah, we can we can talk about what has been helpful in our own family, uh, our own reasons for making a, a particular choice on an issue, but we must stop short of trying to Christianize everything we do. You know, we can't label it as this is the Christian way of doing this, or this is this is what God has commanded. Therefore, we do it. No, this is, this is where we are in our family. This is what we've chosen to do. It's not that everyone else has to do that, but this is what we have chosen to do. This is our family conviction. It's good. It's helpful. Um, a third focus to keep in mind is biblical parenting does not involve quick fixes. Biblical parenting does not involve quick fixes. So how many of you have ordered those quick fix books or those quick seminars that you get popped up ads on Facebook every five minutes, you know, of, of, you know, get a new child in three days. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thankfully have not ordered them, but, man, they are tempting at times. You know, you know, like, oh, wow, I can get correct this sinfulness just like that? Wow. Man, rather than a series of short-term solutions to a particular problem, parenting is a multifaceted relationship that lasts a lifetime, parenting for life. This is not something that, that we just think, oh, I pop, the kid pops a pill and it's going to fix the situation. That's what our, that's what our world, our society wants to, wants to do for us. Yeah, just, just settle it down. Just, uh, just correct that thinking, correct that activity by taking this one pill. 
you know, lose 50 pounds in a week. Take this pill. We're, we're just a culture of this quick fix m- mentality. The focus here is on perseverance, Galatians 6, 9. Parenting is a battle that requires perseverance. We're in it for the long haul. And many situations that come up don't have quick and easy solutions. I will have to persevere in teaching my child. I will have to persevere in discipline. I will have to persevere in praying about an issue. An, an issue. How many times do you think, or how many times have you said, well, yeah, how many times have you said, how many times have I said this today? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it, you're talking to your child, you're correcting your child in this. Didn't we already talk about this a half hour ago, five minutes ago? <laughs> uh, didn't, I t- didn't I tell you that that was a wrong thing to do? Didn't we already get a spanking for doing that? Do we have to go through that again? Do we need to go down that path again? These are things in our mind, but it's perseverance. It's not easy. It's not easy, but it will pay dividends. Except we're not really to look at the outcome or hope for the outcome. We are faithful to what God has called us to do. Do you just want instant relief? Or do you want to battle through those struggles? Do you want to take the time to prayerfully get to the heart of the issue? Proverbs 4 23 proverbs 20 verse 5 to gain a victory a character victory that will last a lifetime and if so this this takes time it takes effort both planned and unplanned remember those divine appointments that we talked about some of those you are planning you're strategically trying to set up times where you can focus on this with your child this discipline this habit this understanding but then there's times where it's just Oh, okay, God, this is what you wanted us to do today. All right, we're going to handle it in this way. A child learns little by little, day by day, as a parent and a child walk together through the everyday issues of life. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Family members need to love, support, forgive one another through their successes and failures. Remember, you're in this together for the long haul. We need not lose heart in well-doing, Galatians 6, 9. Even if you have to deal with an issue more than once, persevere. This goes back again to our motivation. Do I have to say this again? Are you kidding me? I've got to come back with this. We've got to deal with this a second time. This is, this is where our heart is exposed. Am I frustrated because this is an imposition to me? This is an inconvenience to me? Biblical parenting understands the limitations of parental influence. Biblical parenting understands the limitations of parental influence. Parents cannot control the results of their parenting effort. God does that. We've said that a number of times already. Philippians 1.6 states that God will complete the work he begins. Galatians 5.22-25 says the Spirit brings the fruit. Hebrews 4.12, he declares that God's word is what is quick and powerful. So our responsibility is to be faithful to what we know is right with right motives. Ultimately, a child is accountable to God, and we cannot change that child's heart. It is only the Holy Spirit that can do that through his word in accordance with the perfect will of God. 
but each person must give an account for their own lives someday. Children will not be able to blame their sin on the mistakes of their parents, even though that's what our society desires for us to be able to do. But both will, uh, both of us will give an account for themselves for their own actions. So in, in addition to having the right motivation, the proper focus, a third challenge facing parents is keeping the right balance. Keeping the right balance. Balance applies to every issue of life. It is easy uh, to be out of balance in some areas and watch uh, especially for a lack of balance in these areas. The first one is external and internal, specifically referencing the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Majoring on controlling the child's behavior without using scripture and prayer to deal with his heart. How many of you have, have tried to do that? You're trying to get the outcome that you want and you don't go to the scriptures to try and deal with that or you don't go to prayer. Uh, Pastor Rag, one of the men who, who uh, was faithful in, in creating a lot of this content, he would constantly tell us guys in seminary um, as we're in there uh, listening around the family table or in the house, you would see Bibles everywhere because he was constantly going and grabbing the Bible and pulling it over, opening it up and saying, did you know this? Or the scriptures say this. And, uh, and so your children need to have that mindset of when dad corrects me, when mom corrects me, where do we go for the truth? Where do we go for the truth? Or what is it that they're going to bring up? Oh, it's the Bible again. <laughs> you, may, you may hear that. You know, oh, it's, it's always about God. Why is it always about God? Hey, it's great shepherding opportunity. Majoring on controlling the child's behavior without using scripture and prayer to deal with his heart is, is really um, not part of the balance that we need. Uh, from, Ted's trip, from Ted Tripp's uh, book, Shepherding Your Child's Heart, uh, a parent can simply focus on the external justice and fairness involved in a fight over a toy and simply decide who had it first or get a watch to time them each for a turn. You know, how are you helping them think through that? That, t- that might help a two-year-old whose reasoning is still limited, but children need to be patiently and lovingly, lovingly led to learn to give up their rights, their preferences, and to prefer others in love, not just take turns. Prefer one another. That's like, man, that's like on repeat in our house. Prefer one another. Uh, when I hear Alethea say it, it it's, it's not always a good situation. But I am glad. I am glad that she at least has it in there and we're working through what is the practice of that. But you do not want to train your child to become a Pharisee where everything looks good on the outside, but inwardly they are corrupt. As adults, they will, uh, they'll have all their table manners, yes sirs, no sirs, in place, but they do not know Christ. So don't equate adherence to external regulations with a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And in one sense, external controls have little or nothing to do with the final outcome of a child's heart. Many people whose upbringing was without a Christian influence have come to faith in Christ and now enjoy the privileges of useful ministry. So, how, do you, how do you keep kids 
Yeah, that's a good question. Do you give them all the variables and just lay it out for them so they know how to respond in the right cir- circumstance? Yeah. I think, you know, Don? the Bible's clear about, you know, the Bible says children obey your parents. Mm-hmm. It also talks about honoring. And there's a different difference between o- obedience and honoring. Mm-hmm. Obedience is the outward actions, a response, whereas honoring is the inward heart. And so it's, it's, it's two levels, I think, of, of educating or teaching, of training our children. Obedience, there's times when obedience needs to be immediate, running out into the street. But then there's also the time to do the, the deeper issue is, as you said, the heart, and that's the honor. Mm. If we can get them to understand and honor us as parents, but, but most importantly, the Lord, then that obedience will, will follow us. Yeah. Now, oftentimes, it really goes back to that motivation. You know, what is, the chi- what is even the child's motivation in how they respond or what they're doing? And even as a young child, you're breaking it down to that level. Why did you do what you did? Why did you say what you said? What was your hopeful outcome in that? You know, otherwise, you, you will just get through the process of behavior mods of, like, you do this because of this, and this is the outcome that you're going to get. Ultimately, you are bringing up a little Pharisee that will obey, do all the commands, do all those things without any change within the heart, without any change in the heart. Do you have any other recommendations? Like, how do you prevent that when it comes to trying not to create a little Pharisee? Anybody else? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if all you have, if you only have instructional time with your kids, and you're not having the relational piece where you do that more free communication, and you don't know where their heart's at, you can't steer their heart. So if all you have is rules and no relationship, you're going to create some building. Yeah. It's, more it's, that. it's helpful. I Matt? was going to say, you sort of you have to be careful when you're trying to think about how to how do I. It, it, it's important to avoid doing this, but you can't think how do I do. Mm. So, yes, you want to stop yourself if you realize you're doing this, but you can't think it's also my responsibility to do the other too much. Okay, yeah. Well, I think, obviously, grace and mercy as well, um, because then you're, if they're just doing, if it's just the behavior modification, like you were saying, they're just doing what they're supposed to to avoid either punishment or avoid something or to get something out of it with that relationship like you were saying um, and even like like Rick was saying like teaching the principles of it and not necessarily this is how you're supposed to act but what does that look like showing grace and mercy in those moments is in not having not responding in anger not responding in in you know that inconvenience and, and saying and having conversations and discussing it hmm. um, like you were saying 
why were we acting like that? Were we taking a first bath? Like, what was the deal here? Okay. Sometime. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and how often our our response, our 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 directive, our instruction to our child, you know, you need to respect your mom, or you need to respect your dad. Well, then I need to ask myself: Am I respecting their mom? Have I shown what it looks like to love and care for and be respectful to the mom? Have I been the example for them, or have I been the example of the negative of? You know, I just ignore her. I don't listen to her. Or, yeah, sure, honey. Yeah, what? You know, I'll I'll take care of that. And I'm the example of how to disregard, how to disobey, really, to the children because they watch, they see, they hear, they know what's going on. You know, but I expect them to do the other. You know, don't do as I say. Do as or don't do as I do. Do as I say. You know, mentality. So, Rick. God wants to accomplish in a conflict between you and your child is to show you your sin. That's why those irritations are there, to point out my need. And if I don't take care of that, and I've learned this by experience, then I will not be successful in fixing the child's problem. I may change his behavior, but I won't build his Christ-like character. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, that number two, uh, freedom, freedom and responsibility. Um, here we oftentimes can, uh, will think, well, I need, I need to give my child freedom and I need to um, uh, g- 
I don't I don't want to give them too much freedom on one hand and and with no balancing restrictions and responsibilities. Um, this goes back to that relationship that we were all talking about. You know, uh, rules without relationship or, or authority and and correction without relationship that that is a that is a big thing. But how, how do I give my children a rope? In other in other words, how do I give them freedom to to make mistakes? You know, children need parental guidance to teach them how to have victory over selfish desires. And a parent should allow a child more freedom as the child learns self-control, thus demonstrating responsibility. But, you know, we have to balance that well with freedom and responsibility. You know, sometimes a parent becomes unnecessarily controlling or overbearing, not allowing the child the freedom to fail. But a wise parent understands the value of learning from mistakes. You know, so uh, we're not always there to, uh, they use the terminology helicopter parenting. You know, you're, you're hovering, you're waiting for that thing to strike, you know, so that you can take care of it in that moment. Or so that, you know, you're, you're going to keep the mistake from happening. How many of you are that way? Don't raise your hand. But, you know, how many of you think that way of like, well, I don't want them to suffer because I suffered in that way because this was a, a challenge for me or this was something I did and I don't want them to suffer in that way where the Lord may be intending for them to get out there and make that mistake so that he ultimately can teach them what he's desiring to teach them through the sanctification. And you may be the tool and the instrument to help them understand that. But you strive to balance in that, your relationship with them, that friendship and authority, that's your other blank, authority, your friendship and authority. And it, it, it's a great joy to know that Jesus is our dearest friend. And in fact, he beckons us to come boldly and freely to him to receive help in our time of need. With, but, with, but with this confidence, we have to approach Christ. Um, we have to approach Christ and must never cause us to lose our sense of awe and respect for him. In other words, we must not be presumptuous in any way in our relationship with him because Jesus is our friend, but he is our Lord. He is our friend, but he is our Lord. In like manner, friendship is an aspect of the relationship parents enjoy with their children. And we love our children dearly, and they become closer companions as time goes on, but proper balance must exist between our friendship with our children in our authority over them. Uh, for those of you that have had more experience than some of us, how would you see yourself balancing that when it comes to the friendship, the friendship and authority uh, balance? You know, I want to be their friend. I want to, you know, I want them to come to me and talk to me and share things. But yet, I'm also the authority that is going to hold them accountable. How have you tried to handle that? Well. Or how have you learned that you didn't handle it well? <laughs> Is that an easy thing to to balance? You know, do you, do you, uh, do we just come confidently? Like, you know, this is um, I love them, I care for them, but at the same time, they must respect me, so they can't be my friend. It's a lot easier to balance it with some kids than others. Okay. Some kids are a walking challenge. I mean, you know. <laughs> And feel like if you spank them every 15 minutes, you couldn't keep up. Sure. Other kids, you know, you just give them a look like you've done something wrong and burst into tears. 
I could have used a lot more of those. <laughs> but from the beginning with our kids, we tried, we tried to communicate to them that we loved them no matter what. And we expected them to do right, and we wanted them to do right, but even when we had to punish them, that, uh, that it was being done in love. Mm. So we tried to demonstrate that, and we tried to teach it through instruction. Mm. And uh, it's one of, the, like one of the hardest things I ever faced as a parent, is you hate to hurt your child so much that you don't want to apply the rod until you get really mad. Well, you're just self-defeating right there. Mm. If you ever spank a child in anger, they know yeah. you're doing it for your sake, not for theirs. They can see through that heartbeat, even if they can't verbalize it. So it seems to me that the way you balance that is you teach them that God is a God of justice and that whether mom and dad apply the justice or circumstances do later on God will not let anybody get away with anything but you are loved and if we tell our kids God loves you no matter what and then we correct them in anger then we're contradicting ourselves mm -hmm. and they see through it and they don't trust us so I do believe it's possible it's difficult but possible to have children who obey but not just out of fear, that they do fear the rod. I can remember as a little kid walking through the kitchen one day and seeing my mom's handy peach tree switch laying on top of the refrigerator. And I, had, I waited until she was out of sight, and I grabbed that thing and broke it into a million pieces. <laughs> but I loved my mom. I hated that instrument of correction, but I loved my mom. I'm sure there's lots of helpful things that we could consider on this. Uh, Sherry, sorry. Yeah. 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 helpful so help help them see that you enjoy them they're not just a, a labor yeah they're not just a, another thing for you to handle yeah it's good so our goal as parents being faithful and applying biblical principles is not complicated even though like i said that may be laughable to consider but but we face challenges ch challenges in meeting our goals some of these we discussed tonight we didn't get through the last couple of issues, but that's okay. Um, but we must have the right motivation, the right focus, and the right balance when thinking through these. And I just encourage you, as uh, this week goes forward, maybe you have some thoughts or some considerations. One, either email it to me, uh, maybe some of those thoughts that you have, and I'd be happy to either share it with the, the class or, or just 
you know, write a book from all your thoughts. No. Um, or just, uh, or, or you could uh, even text me uh, through that, that text number, you know, a question or a thought that you were having as you're pondering those principles that we're going to even go through this coming week. Um, but instead of merely completing a list of to-dos, parenting is a wonderful opportunity to trust God, right? It is, it's, not, it's not just a, uh, a tireless um, toil for each one of us. Uh, we are to enjoy it. God has created our children that we can enjoy him even through his creation, right? That's a blessing and a privilege. Not always easy, but it, it, is, a, it is a privilege. All right, we are going to ask the Lord to help us, and then you, you are dismissed. Father, thank you for these truths. Help us as we consider these principles, as we um, endeavor to strive to be um, good parents according to a biblical understanding of what that looks like. Lord, we are in great need of your help, and uh, I pray that we would be faithful, we would be patient, we would exude all the character qualities that, that you are and that you tell us you are in your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.